Hello. Hello. I'm Grace. And I'm Adeline. And we're Dragon Babies. Dragon Babies. We reread our favorite Y fantasy classics and discuss why they may be even better for adults. Yes. This week, The More Child by Eloise McGraw. Sound of bagpipes. Oh. <laughs> um, this was published in 1997. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe you could edit in some backfire. No. (laughs) Um, And it is a noob, an honor book, not a winner. The noobs that year were just stacked. The winner was The View from Saturday by Yale Konigsberg, which I do love. Um, The others nominated included The Thief. Oh, no way. And the book A Girl Named Disaster, which I did love also when I was young, and the one I've never heard of called Bell Prater's Boy. Bell so Prater's Boy. Just a little Newberry history for you there. Yep, you've always got that covered. I love the noobs. <laughs> <laughs> As we've discussed in the past, my just snotty little intellectual child self felt that I was really accomplishing something when uh, one of my books had the noob medal on the front. (laughs) It does make you better than other people, Grace. It does. It really does. (laughs) (laughs) The More Child. This was one of my favorite books when I was young. I found it in my office after the great book exodus from our mother's garage into our homes that occurred over the last few years. I still have piles of them. (laughs) They don't fit on my bookshelf. (laughs) I can take them. I mean, if you want, they're all children's books. Well, we are. We basically have a children's book library. Yeah, that's true. true. And uh, the more child that was very special to me, and was I was delighted to find on rereading that it is just as special as an adult. Yeah. Spoiler. (laughs) Surprise! We love something. Um, we do thoroughly spoil every book that we cover. So if you haven't read this one before, or would like a bit of a refresher skedaddle along there's an ebook an audiobook it's pretty easy to find and it is a quick read it is transportive highly recommend before we get into our main discussion madeline will break down how the publisher of our childhood edition chose to package and promote this book and this is the simon and schuster paperback from 1998 it is a really cool cover. The uh, artist's name is on the back. Artist's name shout him out. is James Bernardin. And it portrays Sasuke uh, perched atop a boulder with beautiful plush moss on it that looks really comfortable. Uh, she is playing her, she's playing the horn part of the bagpipe, which is called the canter. The canter, yeah. Boy, did I learn a lot about bagpipes. Yeah, yeah. I never paid attention to the bagpipe specifics reading this as a kid. It was just kind of like, whatever. Yeah. Um, And her hair, her white sheep's wool-esque hair is like floating around her and behind her. She's wearing a peasant dress, uh, which is white with a green, I think it's a white apron and a green bodice um, over a white blouse. And her eyes are closed. She's really getting into the music. The background is this kind of rolling. um, This is out on the moor. So it's Mm -hmm. rolling kind of scrubby moor grass. And then beyond that, in the far background, you can see farmland that's green. And 
Her bagpipe is, the rest of her bagpipes are laying next to her on the plush moss. And there's a little super mischievous looking little elfie guy who's like, (laughs) and he's reaching for the bagpipes. Uh, He's wearing like a green, he looks kind of like a Christmas elf. (laughs) Yeah. It's a funny color scheme. Yeah, he is, he's pretty funny and he's not what I imagined the folk looking like when I was reading this book. No, I think the cover, I mean, I adore this cover, but I do think that he is the one piece that's jarring. Does not feel consistent with the book. Yeah. Because Sasuke looks incredible. Yeah. I love the Sasuke portrayal. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's a little, can Sasuke learn to be human? (laughs) I know. I love that. Text on it. It's at once a very glib little phrase and also like, oh God, what is this book about? Yeah, very sad. Yeah. Really sets the forlorn tone. Yeah. And yeah. And then on the back, I like that there's a little like cutout of just Sasuke playing Mm -hmm. the candor. The canter. Canter. Yes. The game of condor. The canter is the piece of the bagpipe that produces the melody. So it's like the primary reed horn, whatever. (laughs) Gonna say a lot of weird nonsense about bagpipes. Get ready for that. Popover is nuzzling my foot. Yep. He just purred all up and down (laughs) me, rubbed against the wires. I, I think this cover really beautifully illustrates the power and appeal of the more. And the way that Sasuke is so isolated out there with the exception of um, with Tinkwa creeping in to try to steal the bagpipes. Oh, right. Because he's the one that's always got his eye on the pipes. He wants those pipes. Yeah. As as Bruman says, he'll get them from you. He'll never forget. So now, time to talk plot. The more child opens on Mokul who is a member of the Moor folk, the folk that live beneath the Moors. They are living in Ireland somewhere. Um, The book is set near and in the village of Torskal. I don't know if that's a real place. I didn't check. Sorry. (laughs) And learning a little bit about the folk, we learn that their society is very different from human society, It's very communal. No one really knows who their parents are. All of the young ones just kind of amble around pulling pranks and doing mischiefs. Hmm. And an important part of being a member of the folk is hiding your existence from humans. So they have a variety of skills like winking out, which means going invisible and changing their skin so that it looks like tree bark or mossy rock. Mm -hmm. And they pass time very differently. They don't really have set goals the way that humans do. They're fairies, you know, they're just out there ferrying around. Yeah. But one day Mokul is caught by a human. She doesn't wink out properly as she thinks that she does. And then later kind of realizes that she's never really been able to turn fully invisible. Mm -hmm. So the human catches her and talks to her and she almost gets, you know, taken away to be shown off in some kind of circus act and something bad, something bad and manages to trick the man by promising him some gold if he lets her go. 
when she goes back to her people, they're like, oh, you know what? (laughs) There is that thing that we never talked about with you or like bothered to worry about because, hey, we're pixies. (laughs) We don't need to. But you're actually half human. Your mom is one of the folk, and she had a love affair with a human man who wandered into the mound for a while, and then you were born, and so you're neither fully folk nor fully human, and you're going to have to not like be able to exist fully in either world, but we are rejecting you from ours, (laughs) so you're too dangerous, and you're going to bring trouble and harm to us and discovery by the humans. So we are going to send you as a changeling and then we can get a nice little human slave in the bargain. It's pretty brutal. And uh, they say you will forget the prince, the prince of the folk will make it so that you don't remember your life as a member of the folk and you'll just go be a human it's gonna it'll be fine yeah don't worry about it whatever get out of here everything's gonna be great (laughs) like maybe not for you but for us (laughs) (laughs) and mogul awakens as a human baby in a little truckle bed made of straw and her name is saski now and her parents are named yano and anwara and their baby who is now saski well, is now Mogul, not the original baby. I don't know. It's, it's a little confusing. Um, but Yano and Anwara are really unhappy because they used to have a pretty chill baby. And now they have a really angry baby who is constantly screaming, always upset, won't really eat, um, is scared of Yano because he is a blacksmith and he has a big iron belt on. And the only way she calms down is when she's given uh, spoonfuls of honey. Anwara's mother, her name is Old Bess, and she tells the parents that she thinks that Saski has been changed out, that she is a changeling, and that the ways to manage this are like basically a variety of ways to kill a baby. Um, And then apparently the human baby will be returned to them. But they're like, she's our child, we would never think of doing any of this and they kind of put it out of their heads. Meanwhile, the mogul that was is also disappearing as Saski, her human self, pushes the memories of being folk out of her mind. She suppresses everything and does her best to pretend that she's learning to be a human, even though she also then is doing so. And she kind of forces her mindset to shift into this new framing. And it seems like that's when she actually starts to forget. Yeah. Yeah. At first she remembers everything. That's why she's so angry and upset Mm -hmm. and has no idea what to do. And she hears, she understands their language. She hears old Bess being like, you should drown her. And then it's like, oh boy, (laughs) not good. Not good. Because she knows that like, even if they do something like that, the folk won't take her back. Exactly. Because she has been exiled. Yeah. Um, So she has a foot in each world and isn't quite sure what to do. But as she ages, she really only has snatches of these memories as what she calls dream pictures, when mostly mm-hmm. when she's out wandering the moors, which is where she's originally from. 
and she is in a lot of ways very different from the other kids in this rural Irish village. She is physically different. Her skin is darker and her hair is lighter and it is sort of coarse and it's compared to sheep's wool Mm -hmm. at times. It's wild. It's wild. And she is also preternaturally quick and physically very nimble. She's always climbing up onto rooftops and is very easily able to evade the other children when they're bullying her. But with her, with these remarkable differences, it just increases the extent to which the children call her freaky odd and the adults in the village also whisper about her. And when something goes wrong, like when there's a two-headed calf born, there's whisperings of her having, quote, overlooked the cow. And it's a funny use of overlooked that I didn't understand initially. <laughs> um, it doesn't mean to disregard. It means to look over as in to watch. Cast your gaze upon Exactly. This was actually in in Ireland back in the day, uh, looking at a baby with envy. It was called overlooking the baby. It was dangerous because it endangers the baby who's then in the fairy's power. And it's kind of the same with overlooking animals or other adults. Um, then there's sort of like more witnessed by the fairies. Saski is incredibly energetic. She's always wanting to run around on the moors, but her parents have some kind of idea of what's going on and they try to restrict her as if that will maybe help. They try to keep her in the house, keep her doing her chores, tell her she's not allowed to go on the moors. Mm -hmm. And this just leads to more and more energy exploding out of her. And one day she finds a pair, a set of bagpipes um, tucked away in her humble home and discovers that she knows how to play them. And she also knows all these very creepy, weird songs that people in the village do not enjoy. The scene when she begins playing the bagpipe and everyone in the village is instantly at the door. It is amazing. Yeah. And Yano's screaming at her, stop and come down. And she's just like, I'm piping, baby. I am piping. Yeah. Yeah. And like people's conversations get drowned out from like several houses away when she starts playing the bagpipes. Incredible. And it's really because of the bagpipes that she's allowed to go back out to the moors Mm -hmm. or at least near the moors. She's allowed to take their cow to the far pasture. But they don't want to listen to her. Yeah. And they're like, you, these pipes need to be out in the open air. Yep. <laughs> While she's out there, she meets a slightly older but around her age boy named Tam who is an orphan and takes care of three goats. And he lives and travels with Bruman, who is a tinker mm-hmm. of sorts. Tam and Saski become really good friends. They're both outsiders in different ways. And Tam is very accepting of her, very kind to her, and shows interest in her. Through Tam, Saski begins to learn a little bit more about the world, about the places beyond the little town, and the fact that there may be somewhere to which she is better suited. She also learns more about the folk, and she also 
begins noticing them more and more around her. She can see runes on certain doors of houses and places in town, and she immediately knows their meanings, like um, help yourself or keep out, depending on the inhabitant and what kind of food they might have hidden there. And she also can see little glimmering paths out on the moor and can follow them. Folk paths. Folk paths. Tam and Saski spend a lot of time together exploring the moors, and she brings her bagpipes and plays, and she also (laughs) notices that there is one of the folk who keeps trying to steal her bagpipes. So she also makes some contact with the folk and says things to them like, or they and they say things to her like, don't you remember anything? Um, And reference her prior life, which she has still suppressed in her memories which seems cruel as they have cast her out yeah but they are so um chaotic neutral yeah i mean they truly their nature don't care about anything and saski actually struggles to learn the concepts of love and hate i think because she is half folk Mm -hmm. and they don't really have that type of emotional bent everything is just very like fleeting moment to moment, um, just kind of like being goofy and having a good time mm-hmm. because they're fairy folk, fae folk. Yeah. Old Bess also gets closer to Saski and she teaches her to read from some books that a monk, who was it? I think it was a monk, left behind in the little house that she lives in. Yeah. Monkish. Then a group of Romani people come to town, and as they do, it seems like once or twice a year, and Saski tries to dance with the visiting children and the village children, but everyone from the village attacks her, and then a Romani woman reads her palm because Saski really wanted to get it read, but tells her that she can't say anything about it. And she is kind of visibly shaken by her. And things like this keep happening. Saski keeps trying to be a normal kid and she keeps being met with confusion or fear or aggression. Yeah. And she just wants to like figure out who she is. And the Romani woman is like ultimately nice about it. Mm-hmm. Just being like, I, I can't, like, I'm she sorry, is. I can't. But yeah. that it's still really upsetting to Saski. It's like, what's wrong with me? You <laughs> know, and she, she doesn't speak much English. So mm-hmm. she tries to like write some symbols to like explain something to Saski about why she can't do it, but she doesn't understand. Yeah. So one of the little boys who was visiting has a really bad fever and old Bess is treating him and tells him he should stay away from the other children and stay in bed, but he doesn't. And then all the kids in town get that fever after they've left. But because it took a couple weeks for it to really set in, no one believes that it was contagious. They think that Saski has cursed the children for attacking her. And Saski doesn't get sick because Saski and has Saski is like the only one who doesn't folk get sick. Blood, so she doesn't get sick as easy. Right. She seems to be somewhat impervious to these kinds of human maladies. And the people in the town get organized and they tell Yano and Anwara that 
they have to do something about Sasuke by Midsummer's Eve. Yano and Anmar are like, you guys, you're being ridiculous. You can't blame all of the ills of daily farm life on our daughter. But at the same time, Sasuke knows that she is not like the other children. Mm-hmm. Then Sasuke meets more of the folk and really talks to them. And at this point, her memories return and she, she recalls everything. Um, She realizes that she is folk, but she also is human. And she also realizes that the super weird old fisherman guy who lives outside <laughs> who of town, just like freaking out at everybody, is her father, which is not a great dad reveal. No, 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 no. <laughs> so. it's not. And he has always been very afraid of her and avoided her. Everything really comes to a head at once. The villagers rise up and mob and pitchfork Sasuke and are attacking her with salt and iron and rowan, all things that burn her skin and cause her pain because she is of fey persuasion. (laughs) And her dad saves her, but Sasuke then, you know, talks to her mom and dad and is like, okay, I've figured it out. And she also talked to old Bess about it. And old Bess reveals that, she also is of unknown parentage. Yeah. Um, although she was a baby left at cross at a crossroads, mm-hmm. which is also, you know, a folkloric changeling sort of trope. Yeah. Um, and she was raised by the Romani and then left at this village. Um, and then, you know, got married, had a daughter, spent her life there, tried to just uh, what sort I'm looking for assimilate assimilate thank you tried to assimilate as best she could but Sasuke is not interested or able to take that approach and she decides that she is going to leave that night the whole book there's been this really sweet running piece of Sasuke trying to get a suitable gift for Anwara because of the love that she's given her and the kind things she's done for her. And he was bringing her things like flowers and Anwara never really seems that into them. Spider webs. Spider webs. Yeah. (laughs) Which are a great tool if you're a member of the folk. And Sasuke realizes that the actual gift that she needs to get her is her child back. Mm Mm-hmm. She hatches a whole plan, and by bribing Tinkwa, one of the folk who is obsessed with her bagpipes, with the pipes themselves, she gets him to help her and Tam sneak into the mound. And it's very difficult in there. It's midsummer, so this is when the prince leaves the mound and dances and toodles around out on the moor. And during that time, the door to the mound is open. 
And it's the only time that humans can cross that threshold. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have a really small window. They get in, but everyone's dancing and feasting. And Tam is glamored by everything he sees. So he thinks that turnips look like pheasants. And he thinks there's diamonds all over the ceiling and that everyone's wearing crowns. Yeah. And Sasuke keeps getting distracted, too, because her folk half is really making itself known. And she's wanting to get swept away in the dance and then suddenly she's like wait i have human goals <laughs> I have yeah to stay on track here yeah so they make it through they find the actual child of yano and anwara um, and manage to sneak her out of the mound sasuke gives tonkwa her pipes tinkwa tinkwa Sasuke gives Tinkwa her pipes and he he runs off to get the other pieces that she hid at the fisherman's house so that he couldn't just steal them from her without helping her. Yeah. And uh, Tam brings the little girl to old Bess. She's become a baby again, essentially, because time runs very differently in the mound, which is why the old fisherman, her dad, had such significant aging. Yeah, he lost 55 years. 55 years. So that's uh, why you don't mess around with fairies. Yeah. (laughs) Just don't do it. Yikes, yikes. And he's like pretty obviously had his life completely ruined. Yep. He's not a well man. No. Just runs around screaming at people. (laughs) And like the way that Sasuke describes his filthy, stinking hut that he lives in. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, just a big bummer. She couldn't even find a clean place to hide the rest of her bagpipes. Yeah, he lives in filth. Sasuke and Tam then leave. They head off in the Tinker's cart, which has been freed up because he also went into the fairy mound, but he did not come out. He doesn't want No, the whole time he's been like, I want to get that fairy mead. And he finally found a way, like he followed them in. And Tam says that he saw him like just chugging mead and eating food and he didn't come back out. And they're like, well... Like, well, he was abusive and an alcoholic, so let's just keep him in the mound. Yeah, they'll pick him out when they get tired of him. Yeah, and well, I'll probably be dead by then. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! (laughs) (laughs) And Sasuke and Tam, as the story's outsiders um, and dear friends, just head off into the unknown. And then there's a... uh, very sad final chapter yeah where we see yano and onwara moving on with their beautiful perfect human daughter and them really pushing down their memories of sasuke um but having these fleeting moments of memory i'm i'm starting to cry (laughs) that made me really really sad and uh, seeing uh, um, someone playing the bagpipes on the moor or hearing someone and it's that that little elf guy it's tinkwa tinkwa yeah okay (laughs) that's the end and the only (laughs) goodbye that she waves to old bass yeah just one hand out the back of the wagon yeah and she is off to live you know hopefully a better, more fulfilled 
life because she can't belong anywhere. So she and Tam both belong to nowhere, but that means that they are going to find their fulfillment in traveling. Yeah. Yeah. Traveling and it, you know, big city might also be a good place for them because it can be a lot more accepting of weirdness. Yep. We love a city. That's why we live in a city. (laughs) And a weird one. Yeah, a particularly weird one. Oh, so old and new impressions. Did you read this one? I definitely did. Um, But similar to most of the books that I read as a child, I don't remember it. I have did some reading on how mental illness Mm. can uh, really wreck your memory up. Yeah. Um, but I, there could be any reason I don't remember it very well. Uh, I do remember it making me really sad. Um, I went through a period, um, towards the end of when I stopped reading books like this, where I was just overcome with sadness that, I mean, and depression probably, but in particular sadness that, uh, Like, I wouldn't be able to access this kind of, like, folk fairy Mm -hmm. fae world, like, that I was a human and that, like, those ways were not open to me. Um, And, uh, you know, since then I've really come around on that and understand that that's not true at all, Um, that I, like, can have a substantial amount of magic as a human, Mm -hmm. like, because I'm still part of the earth, like we all are, and that's like very magical to me. Um, and so her being rejected by the human world, which I also felt was happening because it was like around puberty mm-hmm. when I read this book, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I started to just like totally lose connection with my peers and they were very derisive of me. Um, and then at the same time, she was rejected by the folk world. So yeah. it was like she didn't belong to either place. So I felt really like a kinship with Sasuke. For sure. <laughs> um, but, and this is, I'm kind of like mixing my old and new mm-hmm. opinions because, like I said, I don't remember that well, but I do feel that these are also the same kind of thoughts that like 13 year old Madeline would have had. Yeah. Um, and as an adult, I do, it is very hopeful that they're leaving. There's two of them Mm -hmm. and they're both like, I was really worried that when they went in the mound, like Tim was going to come out like 50 years older. (laughs) No, he did almost eat a fake orange. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's true. So luckily she stopped him. It was just a turnip. (laughs) Yeah. Don't bite into a turnip. Um, not a raw one. I guess you could, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. All right. Turnip warnings aside. Uh, (laughs) I've only ever had like mashed turnip, like mashed potato turnip. And if it's like finely pureed, it just kind of tastes like spicy potato. It's delicious. Yeah. We made turnips and vegetable soup last night. Yeah. Um, So that, that's very hopeful that it's like a message about found family Mm -hmm. and like going in, you have to like find your own path and go that way. Mm -hmm. Um, because especially if the worlds around you are like rejecting you and you don't fit in there. Mm -hmm. Um, this is not great of me, but I really wanted the villagers to suffer. (laughs) 
the folk not so much honestly because like we said they're like magical creatures and like they are have a very like chaotic neutral vibe although i did have uh vindictiveness towards her teacher yeah that guy was a jerk and also the elf prince yeah for being so just like well, well i mean whatever go go yeah. do you no, i don't care the, the, i feel like i have like a top five men i am most mad at after reading this <laughs> pity tiskin the yeah. prince fergal um uh Brett Ber- Berman, uh, Bremen. I keep wanting to call him Bremen. Um, the Bremen, sh- the Bremen. shepherd, the tinker shepherd. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I guess it's just top four men I'm most mad at. Um, and Yano, for all of his uh, toxic masculinity, does his best to yeah, protect his daughter. He doesn't try to understand her. Yeah, um, and that peace in itself is difficult and this is where I think like there is a really tricky component to this book because I totally relate to everything you're saying and I felt that too and when I read it as a kid I really really appreciated being able to be with another outsider Mm -hmm. and I think this book has a lot that can appeal to children who are neurodivergent mm-hmm. um yeah and yeah about that experience of not being able to understand the world the way that everyone else seems so naturally and simply to be able to yep but then at the same time Saski, because of who she is inherently doesn't belong in that world like at least everyone else is still united as humans Mm -hmm. and she is not human and that's where like I did just from a narrative perspective I I wasn't totally sure how to take some of the outcome of the book especially that's a good point um where like some could read this as like she was bullied into going away forever Mm -hmm. and her tormentors, you know, thriving. They got going what they on wanted. about their lives. They got the end result, and of they got her to be like, removed. "Ah, you're bad. You're a devil creature, or whatever." Totally. But I also think that is kind of a simplistic reading of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that but that piece is so there. part of it. No, yeah. yeah, it is. And and I have to say for myself, when I read it when I was young, and now reading it as an adult, I do find it soothing and therapeutic to an extent mm. um, of an outsider finding another outsider and then being able to carve out their own path. I think it's also interesting that there is a lot of mentions of the Romani throughout the book, mm-hmm. um, although it's using the slur. Yeah, they G use the slur. Um, We're not going to use it here. This book is from 1997. Um, and there was, and it felt like there was a connection there of like this piece of them also Tam and Saskia's true home is in the road in Mm -hmm. being nomadic um and also tam and saskia are just like so much cooler than everyone else 
house. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, everyone is so small-minded. And some of it is to, like, obviously, they have to be very dedicated to their daily work. Like, Mm -hmm. they are in a poor, like, sheep herding and fishing village. Um, But, like, the most important thing to them is, like, having babies. And their Having babies, babies being and normal. also drinking, like that piece was where you know every night, like everyone goes to the alewife's house, and it's like, well, I get it, like you're tired and you need some way to unwind. But I thought it was so fascinating that only Tam and Saski are interested in like learning to play a musical instrument, mm-hmm. um, yeah. or finding or like reading. Um, walking around. Yeah, exploring <laughs> this cool-ass moor that's yeah. out there behind the village, which, granted, like, bogs, things are dangerous, like, it's not always safe, but Saski follows her little glittering trails, so she knows the safe paths to take. Um, and, I mean, humans have been living on and around moors for all of recorded history, so, like, it is. Um, and even before recorded habitable. history, judging y- yes. by bodies we've pulled out of there. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> Let's talk about bog bodies. <laughs> bog bodies. <laughs> we've arrived at the bog bodies segment of our podcast. <laughs> so there is a redeeming piece there because they are the ones who have walked between worlds. And I think it's really important for Tam to go into the mound with her because he too feels outside of this human world that they are in. He doesn't think he's one of the folk, but I think it's important for him to also get to experience that, that world straddling. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's actually kind of a complicated book <laughs> when you get down to it because on its surface, I think it's you know a relatively straightforward um, changeling folk tale, but I think through the fascinating main characters and then also the really like kind of deep moral questions as well of like. Is there a good guy here? I would argue no. Um, and I don't think there has to be. I think it's more interesting when the forces within a fantasy narrative aren't that binary. Yeah. Um, but it also means that we're like, okay, so the folk are choosing chaos and fleeting like indulgence and then the humans are choosing you know their the ultimate goal is like stability and safety christianity and christ and being good christians <laughs> a phrase that comes up a lot throughout the book yep good christians you know they they mob I, people and scapegoat them <laughs> i love the line that was like we were asleep in our beds all night like good christians <laughs> Okay. Calm down. <laughs> yes. Insomniacs I are really devils. I don't know that sleeping well is bringing you closer to God. <laughs> and I must be very far from, well, I am very far from God. That's okay. That's that's good. Get him away from And you. that's how I like it. I know. Yeah. Get that God out of here. Get out of here. I didn't invite you in. <laughs> Vampire rules. <laughs> <sighs> 
but I I also like as a kid and today I love that the dedication of the book is to all children who have ever felt different. Yeah. Um that feels very intentional. The author Eloise McGraw, I had never really known much about and she actually wrote this just a few years before she died. Um, she uh, was born in 1915 and died in 2000 oh, um, wow. and wrote many, many children's books. I don't think I've actually read any of the other ones. Um, she has had three different Newbery honors. Her other books that received it were Moccasin Trail from 1952 and then The Golden Goblet from 1962. Hmm. Um, um, don't believe I've read other of those. And fascinatingly, she also contributed to the Oz series no after um, L. Frank Baum's death, oh. um, which is very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. She worked with her daughter and wrote um, Merry-Go-Round in Oz and The Forbidden Fountain of Oz. Um, so that's cool. And she is from Oregon, Portland. She lived in Portland. So I do like that. Reading this book as an adult, something new that I appreciated was also how atmospheric it was. Mm. And it's the writing is really beautiful. The stark gorgeousness of the moors um, and like the quiet rolling land is felt really intensely. Mm -hmm. I, I really liked reading about the moments when Saskia gets to escape and the visual of a little girl with a full set of bagpipes yeah. <laughs> sitting out on the moors. And magical flowing white hair. Playing <sighs> elven tunes. Yeah. Like, that's just so good. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> I want to be Sasuke for Halloween. Just carry a around. So I loved the writing. And then I also really appreciated how this felt like frustrated and intrigued me that the book really takes place in a sort of like, where is it? When is it? Yeah. I don't know. And before we started recording, I was just being annoying and being like, well, I found a clue because here's the year that Irish bagpipes first appeared. And also they refer to Kingstown. Tam mentions Kingstown, which was Dublin's name from 1821 to 1920. So it's got to be somewhere in that hundred year span. And we must be in rural Ireland within like a not totally unreasonable journey of Dublin, mm. but so far away that the village kids in town think that like Kingstown is made up. Yeah. And I thought this book happens like 500 years earlier than that. So I was yeah, <laughs> surprised by no, that. Right. And I, I think some of that is that it feels so outside of time. And um, we were also talking about before we started recording that it's the closeness of the folk magic and the folk themselves that makes it feel so much older because it's really hearkening back to a time when people were more in touch with those like pagan roots. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense that all of the good Christians in town are absolutely freaked out <laughs> by yeah. everything that's happening. And you'd, you'd wonder how 
something more significant like this hadn't happened sooner um, to also like really make them accept like, okay, the folk are out there. We just got to like mind our business. But like it doesn't make sense to lose our absolute minds when there's some kind of like inconvertible proof that they exist. Yeah. And I, I definitely prefer stories where in order to like, people coexist right. with the folk or the right. fae by just like leaving them offerings mm-hmm. and like doing things to like, you know, get them off their backs mm-hmm. instead of like throwing iron and salt out yeah. and like being terrified of them and angry at them. They were going to burn her on the Rowan heap on Midsummer. Yeah. Yeah. And and then I did also think of uh, the folk keeper, which is yeah. a book we've done before. And those folk are the most horrifying fairies I've ever read of. <laughs> really scary. Yeah. I was also thinking about The Changeling Sea. Mm. Um, really amazing book that we covered like a year ago. Ish. I don't know what time is. Um, by Patricia McKillop. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, anytime that I get to like read about changelings is a time that I'm happy. I love the changeling conceit. I've always found it really interesting, mm-hmm. even though it's like very upsetting. Um, but it's it it gives me such insight into like early earlier human societies too, and like the pressing daily fears. Mm-hmm. Um, there have also been like especially in okay so i talked a little bit about changelings in ireland um because every pretty much every culture like throughout the world has its own version mm-hmm. of a changeling um although this book is specifically a lot of celtic lore and irish tales um and a lot of this was Eloise McGraw pulled and used pretty directly, like the ways to swap your changeling back. Um, I mentioned overlooking the baby and then like the able-bodied and beautiful being more likely to be targeted mm-hmm. by the folk. Yeah. And then it's all connected back to the, well, you have to baptize your baby immediately or the devil will get it, um, which we also talked about in uh, uh, our last book on the Lost Years of Merlin, <laughs> because original Merlin tales had that he was just baptized so fast that even though he was a tool of the devil, he yeah. wasn't evil. <laughs> God got <it>, him. <laughs> Um, Irish legends about changelings also have a few pieces, some of which are included here. Um, Usually a tailor is the one who first notices a changeling. I don't know about that in this book. Um, There's inclusion of the changeling. Oh, Tinker. He was a Tinker, not a tailor. Right, yeah. Tinker, tailor, soldier, spy. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The changeling playing bagpipes or some other instrument. And then the kidnapping of a human child through a window. I guess we don't know how she was changed exactly. That didn't seem very important Um, to the narrative. I am going to bring up one of my favorite um, pictures on Wikipedia, um, which I just... uh, you know, spam texted to Madeline earlier today as well, um, which I'll put on our website, dragonbabiespodcast.com. And it is a picture of a changeling being placed into a 
baby bassinet. It's a detail from The Legend of St. Stephen by Martino di Bartolomeo. There's a lot of O's in there. (laughs) And it's just like literally a little black devil with like goat ears and horns (laughs) holding a baby with like a Jesus halo around its head and removing it from the cradle. And in the cradle is a baby with devil horns. (laughs) It's amazing. Wow. And there's just two parents totally unawares, like looking into one another's eyes (laughs) up at the top. And, you know, both of those babies are (laughs) upsetting to behold. (laughs) Babies look pretty evil. They look dead, like tiny little baby zombies. They have completely white eyes. (laughs) Wow. Their skin, yeah, their skin is gray. It's it's magnificent, and if I ever have a baby, I'm putting devil horns on them immediately. And I don't feel like it gives the impression that they're like about to be intimate with each other because they are very clothed and no, <laughs> yeah, the, the adults are hands. just like chastely holding hands yeah, while they like, stare. You just had a baby, eyes. man. Like I don't think. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, there are just moments when Wikipedia really delivers, and this is one of them. The other piece that I really enjoyed as an adult, as well as kind of like putting historical context and folkloric tradition into play, uh, was learning about bagpipes. (laughs) (laughs) When I started the book, I was really picturing Scottish bagpipes, and then I started learning about Irish bagpipes and the differences between the two. It's genuinely very interesting. I won't go into it too much here. (laughs) It's just waiting for you to be like, I have five items I would like to discuss about the differences. And now 20 pages about bagpipes. This is what I did when I couldn't sleep last night. We'll post your dissertation on our website. Bagpipery through the ages <laughs> by someone who knows nothing about bagpipes. <laughs> it would like if someone handed me a piece of paper and was like, "Draw bagpipes." The end result would be hilarious. Yeah, and yet, same. I've been looking at them so much over the last twenty four hours. So Irish bagpipes are known as Yulin pipes. I, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And the main difference is that you got to look at me, Madeline. I'm <laughs> sorry. Go for my water bottle. No, no, coming back. <laughs> you have a bag or a bellows that you inflate, which is what Saski does when she first takes them out, and then you hold that under your arm, and you don't actually breathe into the bagpipes while you're playing them. You control the flow of air from the bag through the pipes with your elbow Mm. while you're putting your fingers on the different holes on the canter and the other rods. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) How many holes are there? A lot. (laughs) I mean, it's like a flute on top of, I mean, not an actual flute. but like four flutes? Yes. There's a, yes. That's wild. It's a bunch, it stresses me out. It's a bunch of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and so some players can actually um, like talk and sing while they're playing because they don't need to be blowing into the pipes. Um, and you also play them sitting as opposed to standing so that you like can it, apply because the pressure. you need to be holding yeah holding the bag under your elbow um so how often do you have to reinflate it that i i was also wondering and i i don't know maybe like it would be great if it were only like 
once every song. It would right. be tough I to think have to refill. <laughs> I think that's probably how it's yeah. handled. <laughs> yeah. um, and I loved the physicality of Sasuke, you know, as a strong but small person having mm-hmm. to like fill a man's bagpipes and then also constantly lugging them around with her and stuff. Like it was just, I, I loved that piece of it. Like here's my gigantic, ridiculous instrument that I'm just lugging it around, trekking around with me. And like so much of this book is relatively like we said melancholy and dark mm-hmm. and kind of like morally shiftless yeah. and so then to have this through line of a determined little bagpiper um it, it just really adds a lot of necessary levity that's true yeah and the uh, scottish bagpipes what was I going to say? Okay, so they're both native instruments, and they're both from Celtic Gaelic origins, so it mm-hmm. makes sense that they're similar. Um, but then the Irish bagpipes are much, much newer. Um, so the the Yulin pipe emerged during the early 18th century, um, which was when like a variety of different bellows-driven bagpipes were developed. Naturally. And they're much quieter and have like a sweeter tone than... Okay the older Scottish bagpipes. Um, they're just more advanced technologically. <laughs> so that's probably the ones I've heard. So when, when we think of like, those are more likely <laughs> the Scottish bagpipes. I will find a video of a comparison so you guys can hear them both. So my other bag heads can The people in. want to know. <laughs> and I, this is the end of... Um, what should I call this? Uh, bagpipe bro down. <laughs> this is my bagpipe bro down. I'm done now. I never want to hear about Madeline's this log is- corner again. Is <laughs> <laughs> it her website? Dragbabiespodcast.com for more. <laughs> okay, let's do a quick animals, just like animals, animals, animals. in this book. Animals in this book? It's pretty much just like angry dogs. Um, a cow, some sheep, some goats. I like that the goats that Tam watches are named Devil, Angel, and Sister. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's a really funny trio. And the animals are important because they're why Tam doesn't just abandon Bruman. I think I've said his name differently every single time. Um because he's like, he has a bad leg, he's an alcoholic, he's abusive, and I'm going to take care of these animals and also the old dog warrior. Mm-hmm. And he sees the tinker kicking him and is like, I'll kick him, I'll give it back to him. Um, so I appreciate that Tam is an animal protector. Mm-hmm. And I also like that the cow being Sasuke's task allows her to go out and roam around in the hills. Yeah. And like taking the cow out to pasture does sound great. And as someone who grew up reading Heidi obsessively, I feel strongly about, you know, taking goats and cows up into mountains and then just like picking flowers and eating cheese. I would like to be friends with a cow. They seem pretty lovely. Cows are cool. Yeah. And then I'd probably never be able to eat beef again, but... Cows are what made me um, begin exploring vegetarianism at a young age. Yeah. So. Uh, there's the, like, red-horned cattle of the folk as well, but I don't even know if we see them. Right. They're so funny Just because they, they get, like, mentioned a bunch, but then they're not, they never really actually figure into a scene. Yeah. So they're just, no. like, always on the outskirts. Yeah. The red horns or, yeah, they call them something like that. 
Speaking of cheese. <laughs> Good transition. Britain food. Britain food. A lot of hearth bread, flat breads. Every day they bake the little hearth breads and Saski burns them once and then she has to eat the most burnt one and it is bitter and gross. Yeah. They have very basic foods, buttermilk, um, some soothing porridge, which like sets everybody to rights the night before Saski runs away. I liked that. Food can certainly help in an emotional situation. Yeah. Saski and Tam share cheese and more berries and they sit and eat together and that's when one of the folk comes and every time Tam puts his cheese down, comes and takes a bite of the cheese. Then every time he puts his bread down, he comes and takes a bite of the bread. Um, Very tricksy. Yes. Love it. It's very funny that he doesn't just grab it and run. Like, no, I'm going to eat it one bite at a time. Well, because they want to be, you know, they want to, they want to, I want to steal, but they uh, also don't want to get caught mm. outright. Um, yeah. And like some of the folks intent seems to be to make humans also question themselves mm-hmm. um, and think that they're they think constantly funny. making mistakes yeah. or messing up. It's or, pranks. Um, it's pranks. Yeah. It's, it's the, that's their love language. Pranks. Yeah. Although <laughs> not love because they also famously don't love. Yeah. <laughs> So weird when it was like, oh, that's my mom. <laughs> when mm-hmm. Sasuke was like, oh, she's my mother. And she hooked up with a human. Ugh. What a mess. <laughs> this fisherman guy. <laughs> Sasuke also talks about gathering stone crop with its fat leaves and yellow stars, which Old Best liked for supper mixed with dandelion greens and a little oil and apple vinegar. Saski, once she had tasted this odd dish, liked it too. She did not mind being odd in the same way as Old Bess was. That salad sounds really good. Um, I, I famously love salads while metal and famously hates them. Um, so we don't have to Two go Two thumbs down. We don't have to go in depth here. But I loved the way that Saski would give affection to Old Bess by seeking out all of her favorite yeah. little things out on the moor where she couldn't get up as easily. Yeah, Old Bess was, like, the one adult that wasn't, I don't know, that tried to get Sasuke. Yeah, Old Bess and... I mean, originally she wanted to drown her. Originally she wanted to kill her. <laughs> um, or, like, do something that would cause her to be swapped back right. for the human. Yeah. So it's, like, in her head to some extent, I'm sure she's like, well, they'll just take the changeling back. Right, yeah. Um, but I also, when I was reading about changelings learned that some of the like changeling superstitions would be used as ways to like cover up and explain infanticide especially Mm. in very olden days in like very poor villages right yeah um where families were already struggling to feed everyone and where as Mm -hmm. we see again again in this book every child is a working set of hands Mm -hmm. um and everyone really needs to like earn their keep and help provide their own sustenance because they're another mouth to feed yeah so often if there was like a weak or sickly child or Mm -hmm. yeah someone who wasn't likely to be eventually able to contribute to the household Mm -hmm. um then uh, Something might happen to them. Given to the folk. Yeah. Tough stuff. Next, a note about barley flour. 
that is the way that Tam manages to like keep fed. He says, on the road, I can always find a good day's work and there's goat's milk and hearth bread. Brooman fills a hoggin with barley flour before we leave each spring or I don't budge. And yeah. I want that to be my calling card. <laughs> I don't get out of bed for less than a hoggin of barley flour every morning. Okay. <laughs> and then my last mention is going to be the fake folk feasts say that 10 times fast when tam goes underground he sees swans roasted with their feathers on and whole great fishes look at the cakes lore i'll wager it's that fairy mead in the flagons yonder i'm not gonna try to do an irish accent (laughs) and saski says there's no swans and fishes there it's dock and sorrel boiled with turnips or some such and more more berries and bog water (laughs) like gross not good bog water he thinks he sees oranges and then separately when saski is talking to um one of the men who saw the folk at some point i don't remember which one because there's all these like adult older men who are like the folk yeah and everyone's like you drunk yeah (laughs) just kind of disregarding them he says he saw pheasants and peacocks and oranges and sugar plums on great gold trenchers. I don't know what sugar plums are. I still don't. Well, I just envision it as like little plums that are in like syrup. Yeah, they have some kind of candy coating yeah. of sorts. And goblets foaming with fairy mead. They told me I doesn't eat us up. Eh, I paid them no mind. <laughs> and Saski says the only foods she remembered were wild herbs, bird's eggs, lentils that were robbed from village storerooms, and occasional rabbits so even before she you know is like fully back in folk mode she's able through the food to acknowledge like oh yeah these Mm -hmm. are all tricks and she calls it first cousin to the gold piece trick which is very cute so i appreciated the use of food in this book especially that in a town as poor and rural as this one Mm. even though you've been fiercely warned not to eat the folk food the sight of an orange is enough to make anyone's hand linger i like oranges i mean oranges do have like a very powerful sway there are times when i hanker for an orange something fierce sometimes people and bring, i have to go to the mound to get one sometimes people bring clementines to work and i immediately will eat one maybe two Three if there's not a lot of other people around. (laughs) Citrus is special. I'm a little citrus head. The sheer number of lemons that I eat. I remember a dental hygienist once being like, what do you do into these teeth? And I was like, a fresh salad dressing with lemon juice every night. And she was like, that'll do it. (laughs) Lemons. And now you all know about my weak enamel. And that concludes pretend food. Speaking of pretend food. Speaking of weak enamel, badass lady meter. All right. Well, because I'm picking old Bess, and I don't mean to insinuate that her teeth are weak um, just because her name is old Bess, but one I may see survive. the through line. And if she eats enough of those apple cider vinegar salads, not good they for certainly teeth could be. Yeah. Um, I'm mostly picking her because I know you're going to pick Saski. <laughs> um, and I think... Obviously, Saski is the the choice, the baddest lady choice. Um, but I, I think it's really valuable to have old Bess as a counterpoint to her mm. where she is maybe 
a changeling. She certainly has something going on. Yeah. But she chose the opposite life. She chose humanity. Um, She also, though, had it easier from the start. She Mm -hmm. clearly was better able to feign full humanity. Mm -hmm. Um, And Sasuke just visually um, can't do so. Um, I, I mean, she her skin is a different color than everyone in the village. Her hair is a different color and a different texture. Um, it feels like there's some racial undertones That's what I was just thinking, there. Yeah, about like people who are mixed race and don't but feel like passing. they fully belong mm-hmm. to either culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely an allegory there as well. Yeah. Um, and old Bess, you know, like did her best to live a human life. Her husband died when her daughter was pretty young. And then Mm -hmm. she was like, okay, now I'm going to, you know, kind of dive headfirst into these like herbal remedies and learning these medicinal practices. um, Witchery. Right. That are connected to some of her heritage. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I liked getting to see what, what a life could maybe be like for Sasuke, mm-hmm. um, even though it's it's totally not feasible mm-hmm. for her. Yeah. And my rating for Old Bess is uh, a whole bushel of snow crops, um, stone crops, not snow crops. Snow crops and stone crops. Stone crops and snow crops. Me, oh my, that sounds like something from, um, these are a few of my favorite things. Stone crops and snow crops. Stone crops and snow crops. <laughs> I am silly today. Um, The stone crops, I looked them up. They're really beautiful uh, little yellow flowers. And now I feel like I need to get super aesthetic and make flower salads. All right. Enjoy them. (laughs) So next time you come over and I present that to you, you can just throw it in my face. I'll just bring some, I don't know, a raw bell pepper and an apple. I'll just sit in the corner and eat that. Or like some uh, mild cheese. With cheese, even better. Yeah. Yeah. Please tell me how you feel about Sasuke. My baddest lady is Sasuke. And what I am rating her is... A brand new set of bagpipes, the most beautiful set around, and maybe made for a person of her size and stature so that it's not so hard to honk the bag. Yeah, honk, honk. (laughs) Just honk the bag all night long. And I'm also rating her eternal companionship in Tam and a great life full of exciting adventures. They're real cuties. I love the description of his side grin with the little space yeah. between his teeth, especially because my husband has the exact same thing. It's a very cute. <laughs> I also really like that Sasuke knows when to stand her ground. And they, you know, her parents see her as like disobedient, but she just gets her chores done as quickly as possible so that mm-hmm. she can go like actually be her own self out yeah. on the moor. And she knows when to say like, no, I'm playing these bagpipes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whenever yeah. I say like, put the bagpipes You've away. taken everything else from me. <laughs> these are my bagpipes. And God, what a discovery. Yeah. That wraps up our discussion on The Moor Child by Eloise McGraw. Really loved rereading this one. I hope that there are some other um, bagheads out there, some other more children, some other changelings, and I hope you have also enjoyed. Do you do you want me to like buy you a set for your birthday? Is that what this is? 
Question. Do cats enjoy bagpipes? <laughs> Let's find out. Yeah. <laughs> you can find us on the internet at dragonbabiespodcast.com, on Instagram at dragonbabiespodcast, and on Twitter at dragonbabiespod. And I'll put up some of the pictures we mentioned and lots of videos of bagpipes. <laughs> And check out my Instagram for my art and plants and pictures of my dog, Pig and Doodles, P-I-G, the letter N, D-O-O-D-L-E-S. We are probably not going to have another July main feed episode because life is getting hectic again, but we will be back as soon as we can with our next one. We are going to announce that on social media. We've been doing that for the last few um, once we get our ducks in a row and figure things out. So make sure you're following us. And uh, I want it to be another book about a changeling, but we'll see what we actually are. We'll at. see. Yeah. And over on the Babetreon this month, we're beginning our pretend food extravaganza. So this month's episode is going to be tasting and discussing delicious pretend foods that's three dollars a month if you want to sign up for one extra episode a month patreon.com backslash dragon babies yeah i'm grace and i'm madeline until next time bye